The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello, welcome back to the podcast with a personality disorder because we don't know what we're called. Uh, some I we started off this podcast being called "They're All Dead, Dave," <laughs> and now after recording six episodes, we changed it to "Everybody's Dead, Dave" because that, it was at that point that I got the intro made after we'd recorded six episodes, <laughs> and I realised that the ending of the uh, intro ends with everybody's dead, Dave, and it just it just didn't look right. So, I, so retroactively, like through some kind of time-space continuum thing, we it's always been everybody's dead, Dave, or everybody <laughs> is dead, Dave. We are <laughs> consummate professionals, and we will not accept otherwise. <laughs> Anything else is slander. <laughs> exactly. And in the first uh, six episodes, we've been introducing it wrong. That's what we. That's what we're going with. So yeah, welcome to Everybody Is Dead Everybody's Dave. Dead Dave. <laughs> the Red Dwarf Review Podcast. Mm-hmm. We are up to the second episode of series two of Red Dwarf. We being me, Phil Hawkins, and me, Adam Martin. Two people going into this from very different perspectives. Myself, I've watched Red Dwarf for many a decade since I was a young nipper. And this is actually my very first watch of the show. I have not seen Red Dwarf before. And every episode that you tune in for will be my first impressions of every episode. So we're up to now Better Than Life, the second episode of Series 2, in Mm. which uh, some... They they get mail. You've got mail. <laughs> you got mail, yeah. A big mail pod finally catches up with them because they've turned around and started heading back towards Earth. So so their mail. I don't know how it was ever going to catch up with them normally, <laughs> but they were always heading away from Earth. But it's finally caught up with them, and yeah, it's after three million years. And there's various different bits of mail they get. The better than life is is something that comes in the mail, which is a, a virtual reality thing, which doesn't come into play really. They they acknowledge that they've got it, but then it's mm-hmm. about halfway through the episode until it actually sort of kicks in that bit of the plot. But they yeah. one thing I noticed, I don't know if you did when they were going through all the mail they got. Uh, the, the VH the VHS tapes that are triangles. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's that really cute thing. We've noticed it in episodes before. You know, obviously this is meant to be the far future, yet we're using Sony CRT TVs and videotapes, but obviously constraints of the time. This was made in 1988. I love the attempt, though, to make it slightly futuristic, the fact we're still using VHS tape. Oh, but we've put it in triangles now. Like, so how it's... is that at all practical? <laughs> it probably doesn't even work, and I love the whole... You know, the, them doing VR before VR, of course, essentially, with the better than like the whole the idea of the games, because it's funny yeah. watching shows back then. So obviously in the late 80s, early 90s, VR was there was some instances of it. But for many, it was still like a pipe dream, wasn't it? You know, the idea you'd put on this thing and you'd be inside a different world or whatever. Well, it was around in science fiction, wasn't it? Because you had Tron and things. Yeah, yeah. When was Tron? Uh, Tron was like 82. Okay, yeah, so you definitely had Tron mm. by that point. So it was yeah. around in science fiction, so it was there as a concept, but not not really in reality. 
No, can I just say I love the when they're going through it when they've seen what movies they've got the Friday the Thirteenth pun. Oh, the new Friday the Thirteenth movie, Friday the Thirteenth Part One Thousand Six Hundred and Forty Nine. <laughs> <laughs> because again, Friday, the horror series Friday the Thirteenth. I think in the because I'm a big horror fan as well, and I think in the main the main universe you've got eight. Was it eight or nine? No, you've got ten main Friday the 13th films and then there was like a remake and then I think a sequel to the remakes <laughs> it was one of them but there's yeah there's lots it's, and the, the it, premise is just there is a man who wants to kill people and he does so that's pretty much the plot it's quite <laughs> telling that even in the late 80s there were enough Friday the 13th movies to make this joke <laughs> yeah I looked at I you're absolutely right. I looked it up. So by the time this went out in late 1988, there was already eight Friday the 13th wow. movies, which probably inspired the joke. Because even back then, even now, if you're on your eighth movie of like, it's the same now with things like you know, like Fast and Furious, isn't it? It's like oh, Fast and Furious Nine, get ready for more fast cars and Dwayne Johnson. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of. It becomes a parody in itself. I don't know. I think that joke just really tickled me, though. I really found it funny. A lot of the cultural references can date in this show because obviously they're very oh, yeah. 80s ones. But I think because of the enduring nature of Friday the 13th and, and those horror franchises, this one doesn't. This one just still hits yeah. today as it did then. Yeah, they picked well. It's like, I, I can't think of any of the franchise they could have picked, though, where they could have made that joke more effective i don't know unless just trying to think off the top of my head no i don't they could have picked any other really because even like when back to the future did it with jaws because there were so many jaws but there hasn't been jaws films since whereas this one yeah. there have been more of these friday the 13th <laughs> movies so they, they definitely got lucky and picked the right one there yeah they knew they saw the future it's like this thing's gonna go on forever but <laughs> but of course the the main part of the mail initially that we learn is um the letter Rimmer gets, isn't it, about his um, about his father? He does. Oh, but before we go on to that, because that's that's, oh, that's before a rewind. Bit. Let's re let's mm. rewind those triangular VHS <laughs> triangular tapes. And because yeah. uh, Holly gets a video message, he does. Oh yes, yes, yes. From from Gordon. From Gordon, the another ship's AI, and uh, they they play it. It's the first move of a chess game. All that the fact that it's the first move is kind of the punchline to it. And this this other one apparently has a massive IQ, like he said, he's a supreme intellect. But he comes across yeah. in this very similar way that Holly does in a kind of like, he's, he seems a bit dim, like he seems a mm. bit simple. All right, Hull. <laughs> it's, it's Gordon. Awesome is intellect, I tell you. But, yeah. uh, but which is kind of goes against the concept of Holly in the show because he's meant to be that way because of the three million years. Whereas this guy hasn't had those three million years. He sent this message three million years ago. So, but hey, we can let those little inconsistent continuity inconsistencies go because yeah, of course we can. Punchline. And I, I quite like this seeing another, another A at ship's computer. No, absolutely. And I think the, the best part about Gordon was at the end when he finishes the message and obviously then there's silence and he's just looking at the camera and they hold it for just long enough where it starts to become that 
that awkward laughter of like, oh, what's what's going on? And then obviously he reveals the punchline. He just doesn't know how to end the call. How do you turn this um, off? The siren yeah. call of the last year of people using things on Zoom is like, how do you how do you shut uh, this down? It's very very topical for now. The amount of awkwardly, you know, you know all right, bye everyone, yeah, and then you go. Like, click, click, click. Yeah, no, I just found it was the perfect timing. If they'd have rushed that joke too quick, it wouldn't have landed. If they'd extended it any longer, it would have just been awkward. Do you know what I mean? I think they left it just the right amount of time for you to go, what's 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 going on? This is weird. And then deliver it. Yeah. So I really like that end joke for Gordon. Yeah. I want more of Gordon, actually. Bring back Gordon. Let's so. see the continuing chess game. Although he wouldn't have got a, uh, a reply back for the chess game. Maybe he just sends other messages oh. going like, where, where are you? Where's your chess move? <laughs> Where's your move? <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, I rudely interrupted no, you right. talking about it's Rimmer's um, message from his mother. Yes, mumsy, about his, his dad dying. And I don't think they meant, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember them saying it specifically in this episode, but going all the way back to series one, I think in episode two, you remember I commented about a joke that Rimmer made about his dad committing suicide? Um, yes. Yeah. And I don't know, when he said it was his father, that was maybe because that joke stood out to me so much. For anyone who doesn't know, well, go and listen to the episode, but I just found that joke very jarring for its content for the show anyway. It just came out of nowhere. Um, but I don't think they mentioned Obviously, they say, oh, your father's dead, but they don't mention it. Yeah, and it is like it's news. I mean, obviously, he's yeah. dead because it's three million yeah. years ago, but everyone's dead, as they point out. But yeah, but it's like Rimmer wouldn't have known how or why before getting this letter. Yeah, which makes me think, thinking back to that line in series one, either you could explain that away as he was just joking hypothetically, because obviously he resents his father, so maybe making that sort of dark joke about him might fit with his character, or it could just be a case of the writers didn't plan for series two originally, made that joke in series one, and then thought, right, well, we'll just ignore it. You know, it could just be that. I don't know why. I could, I'm, I'm, I know I'm harping on about literally one line, but it did just stick out to me through, you know, that whole segment that yeah. is just... But his dad... Well, he said his dad committed suicide, but yet no one's addressing it here. It's just he's dead. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that, as happens in lots of comedies, they put a random line in, a joke in somewhere, and then they go, oh... Actually, we want to do something else, so let's just ignore yeah. that. That didn't just happen. forget it ever just forget happened. Forget it happened. And you know, and I mean, you know, Rimmer back just, then, if you weren't taping it, you weren't going to know, were you? So. Let's just say that Rimmer made that up. It's probably yeah, the kind okay, of thing Rimmer, Rimmer would do up. to get attention. But that whole backstory that they um, we then get about Rimmer and his father. I mean, we go to I've called it like the the space deck, you know, where they're like on some sort of observation platform which looks quite nice to be fair this is another instance of you know expanding budgets and sets because it's really Mm. nice having this little area this sort of observation deck that they can go and look at the stars yeah and it's quite serene that they have this i know there's jokes in there but you know there's quite frankly more serious moment in sort of the vast emptiness of space it sort of just made it a bit more poignant i guess rather than say if it was just in their quarters or something like that because obviously they're talking about yeah i know everyone's dead but hearing it brought it back to like it was just yesterday i don't know it kind of just felt that that whole landscape really reminds you that these two for them are their only they are each other's companions in this because there is literally no one else 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, it sort of hit home that aspect. I know I know exactly what you mean. And I think it is their relationship, I think, I've noticed in these first two episodes of this series, does seem a little bit more like there's a little bit more fondness between them in some scenes. Yeah. There's still the brother, sort of brotherly rivalry there. There's still the jibes and, you know, Lister really does love winding him up and all that sort of stuff. But there is, mm. you know, moments like this where, you know, you start to see the hints that they are they are our friends. Yeah, I think it's like I've said before, they, they've got that mutual respect deep down for each other, you know, whether they want to admit it or not. They do care for each other, but um, I just thought, yeah, that whole backstory, you know, about how he actually resents his dad about what he made him do, when you break it down, it's actually, I know it's sort of played for laughs, but it's actually quite sad for Rimmer. And I guess you sort of get an insight into how why he is the way he is based on based on that and yeah i just thought it's one of the most one of the most sort of poignant touching moments in the series so far really and i'm not saying they should do one every single episode because you know at the heart this is a comedy but um yeah i wouldn't be adverse to seeing every now and then you know the show sort of pedal the brakes on the comedy just for a scene or two just to let a serious moment happen you know in addition to the letter from the mum the video game which we're going to get to and the holly letter there is also another letter for rimmer from the outland revenue oh yes good old <laughs> outland. I, I love this uh the lines relax it doesn't matter now they're not going to catch you now are they what do you mean just because we're three million years into deep space and the human species is extinct that means nothing to these people they'll find us <laughs> yeah. they're still going to come after the you tax regardless collectors will get you and that that sort of plays into something that comes up in the um, uh, all these little threads, you know, his dad, the inland revenue thing. They all sort of play into the virtual reality world uh, as well. So that's that's quite nice that they again set up some things sort of early on in the episode. I've noticed with Red Dwarf that they their episodes are very much episodes of two halves. Sometimes they feel very disconnected from each other in terms of what's the sort of on the surface going on. Because here you've got the full, whole first half, which is about the male. And then you don't get to the sort of virtual reality bit to the second half of the episode. And there's a lot of episodes where that's kind of felt like a thing. They've had, they haven't got to the sort of plot bit until halfway through. But it, it's never felt like a negative thing. It's, it's, I quite like the way they do it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's good. They 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 have a good sense of structure in this show, I think, because a lot of comedies, I think you can look at a lot of comedies, whether of the era or even now, and I think they they place less emphasis on the structure of their story and literally focus more on the jokes and nothing else, which is fine. But then you know, a basis of any story, comedy or otherwise, is to have a good pace, and I think Red Dwarf sort of delivers that. You know, in like what you say, how it can introduce small things and then build on them. It's a, it's a very watchable show in that respect, I think. So then we get to the virtual reality game, the uh, mm. Better Than Life, it's called. Better Than Life, yeah. <laughs> and they get, so they put the helmets on. They get Which are basically bike helmets. Yeah, they are, they are. They're cycle helmets, aren't they? <laughs> cycle helmets with yeah. some wires sticking out of them. <laughs> Very sci-fi. You know, all of the all the budget went on the new set. You know, they don't have much left for the helmets. <laughs> yeah. And then they get transported into the virtual real world into what I presume is meant to be a tropical beach, but is blatantly just like the coast of England on a very windy day. 
Yeah, they go to the effort a very of British putting beach. some palm trees in there, <laughs> which makes me think that you know they're clearly meant to be on a on a tropical beach, but it is very clearly a grey British weather day, which is very windy and the sea's all grey. Yeah. It doesn't look very appealing. Yeah. No, it's it's very British, as you say, in that respect, and I think. I'm curious why they didn't, maybe it didn't work out too well. Maybe they were planning to use the the blue screen back then to do it. Because I did notice as soon as they go in, like the first few corridors they go down, you can tell it's set against a blue screen because in, you know, classic TV, you can see what they call the fringing, like around the actors. You can see like the little blue or yellow lines around. I noticed that and I was like, okay. So when they first went in, I was like, right, is this all going to be, you know, blue screen or whatever? But as soon as they get on the beach, you you know, as you say, they are on a Brit- a very British beach. Um, but I think it gets away with it, though, just because of the nature of the show. You know, it's like, obviously, Rimmer and Lister are, are assumed to be English. So what else do they know apart from like a coastal uh, yeah, beach but, on a windy but, day? Uh, Rimmer has been dreaming, you know, of his Fiji beach. Oh, he yeah. Have been Fiji. Well, if he was dreaming of that, he didn't dream hard enough. Clearly so. not. Clearly not. And talking of the blue screen, there is some pretty bad blue screen effects in these scenes on the beach when they, they get the vehicles to appear. It oh, yeah. So, it does look really bad. Um, yeah, there's like parts of the car which are either just gone or are just covered in fringing elements. It's, yeah. It's a sign of the times, isn't it? I mean, what's weird, though, is, like, with the actual vehicles when they get in them, like, mainly, I'm mainly thinking with a Rimmer's black car that he gets. Like, he gets in that, you know, we see that, it's there. But yet, when it first pops up, it's still blue screen? Yeah. So I'm like, so I'm like why didn't you just, you were going to put the car there anyway, why didn't you just do the shot? And then fade in the actual car that you're using. What? Do you know, I, do, I just don't know why they blue screened it for that one shot, and then you've got the actual car. Yeah, they wanted it to appear, but you know, if you'd locked off the camera and just, you know, got your act- roll back and mix. Yeah, <laughs> for been... any Doctor Who fans out there, yeah. it would have been fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also get quite a few callbacks to previous to last series in this, including Magruga. <laughs> Magruga, yes, we found our last series was, we think, the one woman that Rimmer has had sex with. <laughs> but yeah, uh, emphasis on the one. But yeah. And uh, in this, he imagines her up in the better than life environment because you can get anything you're, you're, you want for yourself to give yourself the best life. And he imagines her in the car and goes off and while the other two are racing off on a motorbed to a, to a restaurant. He's doing his whatever he wants to do with McGregor. He's doing his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which obviously we don't see, um, but they reference it. Oh, they reference it a lot. I was going to say they don't skimp on the whole what he's done reference. But again, I think it's that it's that one-upmanship thing we talk about with Lister and Rimmer. You know, if Rimmer's if Rimmer's had his way with someone, you know full well he's going to brag about it to Kingdom Come in front of Lister in probably the most. Maybe it's not for the best, but you can argue like the most derogatory way possible, you know, right down to like doing certain arm gestures. And it's and the same like arm that. gesture from the I first don't series really... as well when he was talking about her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that sort of stuff, you know, you might watch now and think, oh, that's a bit, you know, we wouldn't necessarily do that. But I think you've got to put it when you think about these characters as relationships like that, 
like we said, that sort of very teenage schoolboyish. Like that's exactly what they do. Like they were always trying to be like, yeah, guess what I've done? Way like it's it's very much that. That's their relationship. So, and it, it, in that sense, I found it quite funny. Um, I did think with in regards to the game, it's a clever concept, and I think for the show and its budget, they realised it as well as they could have done. Because, like, I think again, the restaurant is implied to be, you know, five star, the best of the best, and it it really just looks like a little calf in coastal England, which is fine, you know, it it's fine. But you can tell, you know, they thought, right, we're going to go off Red Dwarf, which is weird to see them somewhere that isn't in space as well. It's very, as me as a first-time viewer, it's jarring to see them on a beach. But, yeah, it's like they were like, right, we're going to get them out of space. And then when they got to filming, they were like, ah, right, we can't go to Fiji and we can't film in a five-star restaurant. So we're just going to have to make do. But it works. You know, they make, they make it work yeah. with what they've in got. In the restaurant was where we got another callback to the first series as well with uh, the cat. Mm. Cat will get a mention yeah. in this episode. Because he's... Uh, he will, yeah. He he's, does his little song. I'm going to eat you little fishies. going to get you little fishy. Yeah, I like fishies. that. I was nice like, little call back the to the very first episode. Where Was it the first or the second episode? The second episode, I think it is, isn't it? Where he breaks second his teeth. Second one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a nice little callback as well. I like these little, like, little moments where they call back. And it's only... I think it's only really watching it as we are so close together that we're, you know, watching series two so quickly after series one that you really notice them. Yeah, I suppose, because between series one and two, I think transmission-wise, there was a gap of about six months. So, you know, unless you'd taped series one and were, and were watching it religiously on repeat, yeah, you're right, those little things people might have might have forgotten about, I suppose. Um, but then in the story, Rimmer gets called away to sit with the admirals and all the, all the admiral chums, and uh, he gets a surprise visit from his dad, of course, who we learned about earlier. And I had very mixed feelings on this scene. I don't know about you. Um, do you want to explain how you felt about it first or do you want me to wax lyrical? Um, well, my my thoughts on this were kind of all tied up with, with, ha- with the whole thing about Rimmer and his descent in the world. So maybe as that goes yeah. into other things as well, let's hear yours on this particular bit well, first. I think when it, as you're right, it does play into what happens later, which we'll get into. But, you know, he's at the table and he's he's getting everything he wants. You know, he's getting young, like, people coming up to him and say, oh, you're such an inspiration. Sign my book, blah, blah, blah. And then his dad appears and, you know, it's played for laughs. He said, I really wanted to tell you. And he says it over and over again. And it's funny. And he's, oh, you know, you're a disappointment or whatever, um, which obviously hits Rimmer hard because up till this point, this game's been great for him. You know, it's it's everything he ever wanted. And now it's that that stark reality of what his father was like has come back. And but then it's revealed that it wasn't Rimmer's manifestation. It was the cat's manifestation for some reason and i don't know i think playing off what we said earlier you can have those laughs with rimmer's dad but i just felt that could have been a really nice moment for this to be a true crushing blow for rimmer done in a semi serious way where we see that have impact because we know chris barry can do the emotional stuff because he did it earlier i just thought it was a bit of a wasted gag it didn't really make me laugh that this was the oh it was just the cat messing around and it doesn't sorry it doesn't really make sense then with because I guess we'll say it now. Obviously, as the as the episode progresses, we learn that Rimmer's mind can't allow himself nice things, basically. So his experience gets worse and worse and worse. 
And I would say that ties into with his dad appearing and saying that, but we clearly hear the cat say that it's his his manifestation. Yeah. So that is, it, that's kind it just of what seems like a very say, weird... That it yeah. doesn't tie in with the rest of the Rimmer story in this because that it, it would have felt better if it had been him doing this. The only thing I can think is that maybe the cat's... It wasn't really the cat's manifestation. It was the beginning of Rimmer's, but, you know, working against his mind, working against him. But the cat just, like, wanted to get in on it and was like, hey, I'll take credit for this. Yeah, no, and I guess that would fit in with his character. I just think there's no, there's no obviously further explanation to that, is there? It's literally the cat says, oh, it was mine. And then the scene changes. It's like, okay, and we, and we never see his dad again. You know, I thought maybe, okay, maybe his dad will pop up again, you know, in, in later in the episode or this game experience. But he doesn't. Yeah. Which makes me just feel, to me at least, the whole thing had a really good setup. I like the setup that Rimmer's in that place where he's got everything he wants, but then it's the one thing he didn't want to see appears. I like that setup. That's a good setup. And you could have gone either way. You could have made it really funny. You could have made it really emotional. But I just think the whole, just including the cat saying that and just being like, basically saying, lol, it was me. I don't know. It just sort of, it took all of that out of it for me. I agree. I don't think, I agree with you. It didn't work. For that reason, hmm. I can only think that from a narrative point of view, from a, like a story structure point of view, they needed something to set up that you can have an effect on someone else so that yeah. later on when Rimmer, uh, you know, he's sabotaging himself, but also his his sabotages start to affect the others as well. There's already been that kind yeah. of setup for the Oh, yeah, you can you can affect the others in here, too, in it negatively. And then. Because that's what happens, and then the, the, he ends up ruining the game for them because he gets them buried in sand with jam on their faces so that the ants are going to eat them, you know. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I wonder if it was there to sort of set up that concept that they can affect each other as well as themselves. Yeah. That doesn't excuse it, though, because no. I do think it would be better had if it was all himself. But I can... I, I, I yeah. think making slight excuses for them that might be why they did it. Yeah, I just, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I just think it was a bit of a weak gag in general. And I think, you know, comedies have weak gags. I just felt that was the worst place to have a joke that, for me at least, didn't didn't land. If it had been a very funny payoff, sure. But yeah, I don't know. That just really brought it down for me a bit, a little bit. But then there were other jokes that were so simple that were great. Well, I'll save it actually for our funniest moment when we get there. Okay. So. Um, and then they, you know, when Rimmer does sack, you know, he, he does lots of things as well as his from from when his father insults him, things seem to get worse and worse for him. He ends up pulling up with he's now married to McGruger and has seven kids and he's a, got a mortgage, yeah. none of which he wanted. And he ends up being a drunk tramp. And then the yeah. and then calling back to earlier, the Outland Revenue guy turns up looking for his money and he says he's going to break his bones so yeah uh, you know i think that all of that was handled quite well and then they leave they leave the world they they take the helmets off and they go in to you know their quarters and then the guy comes out of the uh the guy comes out the cupboard which really made me laugh just because i wasn't expecting the the, the outland revenue guy comes out of the cupboard and they're still in the virtual reality world basically 
Yeah, I thought that was what was implied because obviously at the end, when he when he slams his thumb because he's going to break his bones, he kept to his word. Um, you get a little game over graphic, which I thought was neat, and it made me think, ah, okay, was it like you know an Inception thing where they thought they'd come out of the virtual world, but it yes. was just their manifestation? And I think it gave closure to that. I think because it's, just it's before so that, I just I, remembered what happened just before that. So they'd gotten out of oh, yeah. the game. If, you know, as far as they're concerned. And then they find one more letter, which is uh, Rimmer getting hit promotion uh, to officer. And at that point I was thinking, oh, I don't remember that happening. I don't remember him becoming an officer. And then like a long running thing. So I was already suspicious then. And then the guy came out and I was like, oh yeah, they're still in, they're still in the game. They're still in the game. Yeah. For me, it was literally just the game over graphic that signaled it to me. I think if that hadn't have been there, it probably would have taken me like another episode to fully realize. Obviously, this is my first time, of course, but yeah, what, I, think, think I think that's a good you, mechanic. There. Did you think there was just a three million year old um, Outland Revenue guy just hiding in yeah, there? Yeah, because I thought that'd be really funny. Like the the whole you know the the tenacity of the tax system, how that they'll always be after you, even three million years in the He's future. He's been suspended but, animation all this time just to get these taxes yeah. off the rumor. But that, honestly, that game over screen helped me a lot because it, it was literally like, oh, okay, it was, they were in the game. So, yeah, no, I thought it was a nice addition. But, yeah, a good way to close out the episode. Really funny. What was your funniest moment? <laughs> it sounds so daft. Probably just because it caught me off guard, but I couldn't stop laughing. I actually rewound 10 seconds so I could watch it again. It's when they're on the golf course and Cat talks about his half fish, half human girlfriend Miranda, who then emerges from the water. And I think it was just the costume. I have got this very obvious fish head stuck on this poor woman. <laughs> She's just like looking around with like big old. Uh, it really made me laugh because when he mentioned it, like a lot of things in Red Dwarf, you know, a lot of things get mentioned but you don't see them. It's left to your imagination. Whereas this was like, no, there it is. There she is. And you're like, oh. Okay, it's a half fish, half human. That just really made me chuckle. It was a great, it was a great example of visual comedy where that didn't need any more than what was said. Do you know what I mean? You just said, "Oh yeah, my girlfriend, half fish, half human," followed by a very, very, very dirty joke for Red Dwarf straight after. I don't know if you caught it. Where I don't think I did. I think it was Holly said. Somehow I'd imagine she'd be a woman on top and a fish on the bottom. <laughs> no. That's a stupid way around. And he does this little thing with his tongue, and I was like, I was like, that's that's very <laughs> oh, rude. I did that is, not spot that, that is. I, it was either. I swear he did. It, I remember he looks either nearly. He looks either directly into or almost at the cat. It's it's very much like a wink wink moment, and I was like, that's very dirty. But um, I felt that was maybe that's maybe pushing at the very edges of the sort of humor Red Dwarf was probably allowed to do. Well, it is an adult. Um... It is an adult comedy. True. It was on past the watershed. Yeah. Why, not? Why not? Why not? It just, it just again, it came out of nowhere. I was like, oh, so not only have you killed me off with this half fish, half woman, but now you've just made a very dirty joke. But yeah, that was it for me. What about you? What was your funniest? Uh, the one that got me laughing out loud probably the most was actually, and I, I do hope people, I do hope people weren't offended by it and have taken it in the uh, sort of, 
light-hearted nature i think it was intended but there's some there's a hollow one of the things they get through the post is hollow news from uh from three million oh. years ago and there's yeah. uh there's a news item about the first page of the bible being found if genuine it belongs at the beginning of the bible and is believed to read to my darling candy all characters portrayed within this book are fictitious and all resemblance to persons living or dead is purely coincidental which tickled me yeah. <laughs> and I, I do hope people um, of a religious disposition aren't offended by it. I think, uh, it's, I think it's a fun joke. And they even add a little bit in yeah. the end there to sort of saying religious groups are disputing this or something like that. Or, you know, just yeah. as a little thing. Yeah. But it, it did tickle me and, yeah. and it made me laugh. I noticed in that news report she said it's like the 27th of Geldof. And was that a... Was that a pun at the time? Because obviously, for those who don't know, Bob Geldof... Um, was behind you know live aid and big charitable <laughs> efforts and stuff i've seen in a lot of movies or tv shows of the time people joke about oh geldof's gonna you know just make him president he's so humble he's so good just name name a month after him do you know what i mean there was very much a lot of that it seems joke praise about him so i wonder if that was maybe a a lean to that i don't know maybe could be yeah i don't know i just caught it i was like oh that's funny the 27th of geldof but <laughs> But um, as we do on this show as well, we we rate each episode. Um, how many scutters out of ten? Not five, ten. More variety. Um, I'll kick this to you first, Phil. What do you give? I it? have given it eight out of ten scutters. Eight, nice, nice. I think uh, this uh, this slightly peaks it. The, uh, the, it's not perfect. There are some moments in it, like we've talked about with with um, Rimmer's dad appearing in the as he does in the virtual reality world and things. But I just generally, I found this, I like the fact, I like the concept, I like the virtual reality concept. It's, um, I like the jokes are funny for most of it. Um, there's some some nice touching, there's, you know, the fact that there is this quiet moment where we see sort of see them bonding as well. It was really nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, what nice about yourself? Seven out of ten. Uh, eight out of ten. Sorry, you gave it. I think I'd, uh, I'd give it a seven point five. I think because for some reason similar to yours. You know the thing we said about Rimmer's dad in the VR world specifically. As I said, I just think that that whole it had a great setup, which I think wasn't well utilized at all, or it didn't pay off for me. Um, some of the like blue screen effects and i know it's of a time but e- even there as we said there were other methods they could have done to make it look a bit more convincing or whatever um but the bits that i love you know the scene on the space deck as i call it you know with him chatting about his dad one of the best emotional moments of the series so far in my opinion the concept of the vr world is great they did the best with what they could with the budget which i admire as well and um, yeah, again, some really great funny moments in there as well, whether that's Miranda the Fish Woman or uh, what all the moments we've talked about. But yeah, I don't know. I just felt it was, yeah, I think it was it, the the main scene that rubbed me the wrong way was that one with Rimmer's dad in the VR world, definitely. But yeah, not a bad episode by any means. But yes, I think a 7.5 for me is fair on this occasion. Um, and then yeah. one final occasional feature we do on this show is what would Dave Lister mm. do, WWDLD, uh, <laughs> and where we take something that is 
kind of topical from the point we're recording at least and talk Mm -hmm. about what would Dave Lister do in that situation how would he handle it what are we going to do this week I think the one we're going to do this week bear in mind this this happened again today as we were recording it so you'll be able to pinpoint what day it is but um, what would Dave Lister's roadmap to freedom be from the lockdown um, you know, for anyone who, I mean, I don't know who's missed it, you've been living under a rock. But recently, our Prime Minister announced, you know, here's how we're going to do it in four phases. But, you know, say Dave Lister's PM. What do you think, Phil? How's, how's he going to get us out of this one? What's his plan? Well, I think very first thing he would be reopening is the curry houses. He would want oh, a nice yeah. spindaloo uh, to, uh, <laughs> to open up that with. He, you know, he may probably... Uh, you know, might include some social distancing. And frankly, with Dave Lister, you probably don't need to massively have rules about social distancing. I think the smell of his clothes will keep people at a, a fair <laughs> enough distance away from him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think Curry House's first is the main thing that he would want reopened. Key thing. Key thing for him. Um, he probably probably not that fussed about schools reopening. You know, I don't think he values education that much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, about, what do you think? I think he'd want to get sports back on the go. We know he's a big Yeah, he mentions that in this episode. Wasn't it? Um, I can't remember what the sport was. It was like uh, two seasons of... He does say it, doesn't he? Uh, it looked like basically like space football or something yeah. like that. But yeah, I think you're right. I think Curry House's sport would be like top priority. That's phase one. Schools can be phase four or five as far as he's concerned. But um yeah, I think he'd just be very lackadaisical about it. Not in a horrible way. I just think, you know, we all know he's a bit of a slob. And I think, you know, the whole idea of lockdown where you can just be inside and do what you want in your own home and not worry. Well, for some people, not everyone, of course, some people not worry about work. I think for him, that lifestyle, he's not too bothered by it. So I think he'd, I think he'd need a fair bit of prodding from those around him, like Rimmer, his... Uh, should we say his uh, second in chief in house or whatever? I think Rimmer. I think Rimmer be the main one trying to organise it, and then he just have to shove him, you know, in front of a camera and say, "Read this." <laughs> I don't think I don't think Lister's that bothered about <laughs> not being a slob anymore. Absolutely. Hey, look, if you're watching mm. this on a on my YouTube channel or any other means that allow you to do a comment, then why don't you tell us what you think mm. Dave Lister would do? to get us out of lockdown we are recording this um towards the end of february if you're wondering Mm. um i have no idea when it's going out but let us know anyway and and maybe let us know in the comments as well give us some scenarios that you'd be interested in what would you want to see dave lister do just yeah let us know get get creative with it let's see what we can come up with well we will be back for another episode um next time just to uh point people in various directions i should say we have now if you're watching this on youtube you will have seen our brilliant uh, intro which was made by mm. uh, george aka ace creeper he put that together for us the music is done by a guy called stephen kingsbury i will leave links to all of these people below who is a composer of various musical theater things and uh, and the brilliant illustrations that are used in that opening are done by Sophie Isles. Links to all of them in the comments below on YouTube and in the descriptions of various wherever else we get managed to get this podcast out on. So uh, I, I haven't credited them enough in these episodes, mainly because we didn't have most of this stuff while we were recording yeah. the first six episodes. <laughs> yeah. I was still waiting for it. So mm. I, 
I haven't been crediting them up until now because I didn't have it. <laughs> I didn't know about it until then. We did a lot of pre-recording for this podcast. Um, so find all them in the comments below. And you can also find us on the internet. Adam, where can they find you? Just type in Adam Martin with a Y um, on YouTube. Uh, I should just pop up. I make loads of stuff on pop culture, mainly things like Doctor Who. And on Twitter, I'm just Adam Martin Actor. Go and give me a follow there for just general updates and general rubbish that I post. But yeah, those are the two main places to find me. Um, obviously, if you're watching, you'll be on Phil's YouTube channel right now. So go and give him a subscribe. But uh, Phil, where else can they find you? Uh, well, uh, as we said, if you're listening on uh, or watching on YouTube, you've already on my YouTube channel, then hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. But if you are not, if you're listening on Spotify or one of the other platforms we hope to get on, then check out my YouTube channel. It's Philip Hawkins, all one word. I am the Philip Hawkins standing in front of some TARDIS roundels in my picture because I talk a lot about Doctor Who on my channel. It's not the only thing I talk about. I also talk about Star Trek, the MCU, any other pop culture that sort of takes my fancy. But it is a lot of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> and now Red Dwarf. I should do some other Red Dwarf and videos Red to accompany Dwarf. this, shouldn't I? Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. So we will see you next week for the third episode of Series 2. We shall. See you then. See you later. Bye.